What song would you play on repeat if you wanted to infuriate someone with music? Oh man, that's a great question. <laughs> it's a tough one, right? Yeah, no, this, that, is, that is a good one. You know, I have a threshold for some of the worst music out there, so um, goodness gracious. Probably Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> it's bad that I know that, but yeah, that's got to be the one. There was a time I went down to New York City with a buddy of mine uh, over one St. Patrick's Day weekend years ago. And we were doing, just kind of walking up and down one of the main roads, hitting bars along the way. And I don't know how the idea ended up popping into my head, but I went to the jukebox and just uh, selected Aqua Barbie Girl. Oh, like, my god! Over gosh. and over again. That's a good one. Like, at least four or five times. And yeah. then we left as soon as the first one started. So I don't know how long they let it go. <laughs> yeah, no, I've realized, um, I realized my lesson bad. Do not do karaoke and sing Alicia Keys, This Chick is on Fire, if you're a guy at a rough bar uh, down in Brooklyn. I call that, the, I used to joke yeah. that was, should be called the penicillin song, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good way to start. Just saying, you know. It's probably a good way to start the podcast, yeah, actually. No. Hello. So, <laughs> hello out there in podcast land. Uh, welcome to episode 19 of Stories from a Bar. I'm your host, Chris Osborne, and for this episode, I'm, I have ventured to a place I've never been before, right in uh, the heart of downtown here, Speakeasy 518, and I'm hanging out with bar manager Emmanuel Tresky. Said that right, right? Oh, yeah. No, All it's right. perfect. Fantastic. Hello, friends. How, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. Having nice. a great afternoon, you know, just uh, excited to be here talking with you. Doing a little day drinking now? Yeah, and, you know, only the way we know how. That's, uh, <laughs> homework. This is homework, as we like to call it, Chris. That's, that's, uh, that's what I tell people. I'm not out drinking. I'm doing research for the podcast. Exactly. exactly. You're, you're becoming educational through this all. I think, it's, I think that's a huge thing. You I've know? learned a lot. The problem is remembering. Yes. <laughs> the... Uh, so thanks for taking the time to do this, man. Yeah, of course, of course, brother. Actually, before we really get into anything, why don't we talk a little bit about what you poured for us? Yeah. Uh, so uh, one of the things uh, we love to do here is uh, create as uh, any good standing bar would do. And um, through all research and through talking, just uh, reading, seeing different things, uh, you come across some awesome concepts. And so uh, what we have in front of us was a bottle-aged Negroni. Uh, so this came about through this book called The Cocktail Lab, which was produced by Tony Cligliaro. Essentially what he wanted to do was be able to have you go to his restaurant, order a bottle of a bottle-aged cocktail, like you would a bottle of wine, be able to blow the dust off of it, so forth and so on, and then have it presented at your table with I a did, cork takeoff. So I did see the and bottle so and it was dusty. Yes, that was... Uh, Got the proper blow it needed. <laughs> um, that's what she said. Yes. Um, I was thinking it. Yeah, yeah, you All know, right. just said it. Uh, but sure enough, what this guy realized is that um, after the first two months, uh, because he used vermouth, which for anyone not out there who's not familiar, vermouth is a wine-based product that is usually fortified, which is a bunch of herbs, botanicals. So I just picked up my glass, and of course the coaster was stuck to the bottom yeah. and fell. That's what you get for using fancy coasters. You know, a black napkin stays on the table, but the fancy coaster, that'll uh, break on you. You'll scratch it up. It'll was, show all the, all the issues. Was not expecting that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and quick pause while I put on my fedora, because I feel like I need to fit in with the times oh, here. Oh, baby. Look at this. Like, if I can't wear this here, Look where can this. I? Folks, so. we we need to we need to upgrade us to a video podcast. Yeah, we'll if you could a, just see this look. We'll get right a snapshot now. of this later, so people can just laugh. <laughs> 
So um, as as we are fancying up and dropping coasters, uh, getting back getting back to the bottle aged cocktail, what uh, what essentially happened was with this vermouth, they would notice that the wine would actually oxidize after sitting in that bottle. But being a true cocktail nerd, he didn't go, oh fuck this, I'm done. He said, let's just let's just keep letting them sit in bottles and get more and more disgusting. <laughs> Thankfully, he did that. And by month six, he realized that the oxidation process actually reverses in the bottle. From there, it got to the point that every month, regardless if he opened it, it would get better and better and better as long as it hit six months. Pretty amazing. Yep. And uh, next thing you know, you have a cocktail that isn't quite different from the first cocktail. It's just much, much smoother as you taste it from start to finish. As I spin my chunk of No, oh, yeah, a chunk here. of ice. We do chunks of ice here at the old speakeasy. Only chunks of ice. No, no little cubes, folks. That is delightful. No little cubes. Cheers. Cheers Thank you. Friend. Thank Cheers. you. Much obliged. We'll talk a little bit more about the speakeasy, of course, in a minute, but why don't you tell me about yourself? Yeah. I know nothing about you other than that <sighs> yeah, you so went to culinary. You study culinary, right? Culinary arts at Johnson Wales. Four great campuses, but I went to the, uh, the OG one in Providence, Rhode Island. It was a lot of fun, a lot of, uh, a lot of shenanigans, uh, but from there I learned a love of identifying flavor profiles and how they correlate with one another. Um, the idea of what most people, uh, I think, need to take into account when they want to do something as adventurous as we do, which is fresh syrups and fresh juices, is, uh, as I learned in the culinary world, not only how food is fresh that day and prepared, but how to maintain it, how to make sure that day two, three, four, so forth and so on, you're tasting it, you're making sure that it's up to quality, you're noticing that if the juice is around for two or three days and it is okay that you may have lost a little bit of the in- intensity in terms of cleanness and you might have a little bit of bitterness. Sure, it's still good to use, but you just have to adjust your ratios on that. So I loved uh, what culinary has taught me. And mm-hmm. in terms of mixing drinks, it's taught me that a drink doesn't have to be something that's one-noted, like a rum and Coke, vodka and cranberry. Yeah. It doesn't have to be just something that just hits you at once. A drink, much like food, should be seasoned, should be flavored. It should have a story to it. It should have something at the beginning, something at the middle, something at the end. How hard is that to explain to people in their early 20s? Um, you know, <laughs> as long as they're not chewing gum. And uh, one of the rules we have here is to not bring your cell phone in, not to use it at a bar or service area. As long as two minutes passes and we notice you haven't tried to break that rule, then uh, you are you you're willing to listen, and that's what we like. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is uh, that is definitely a group that's in the minority compared to the majority. You know, because of the time that we spend in terms of making our cocktails, carefully curating them, there is a little bit of a higher price compared to what they might assume uh, for their green tea shots, their redheaded slut shots, so forth and so on. <laughs> So we might, uh, you know, when it comes to costs, we don't allow shots, we don't allow doubles, because again, you know, we understand that the drinks are going to be a higher cost, but what we're doing at the end of the day is letting people know that we're producing everything fresh. You know, we throw out more juice than we probably end up juicing because we have to make ourselves ready for a nonstop crazy night. Some nights we don't get that. If that happens two nights in a row, we have to throw out more juice than we actually sold, but it's just to maintain the freshness and to make sure that... Again, we've told we've been told by people that we make the best daiquiris and margaritas. Again, I'm not saying that. That's just what we've been told. But it's only because we're using fresh juices. I think a lot of other places are using sour mixes, and there's nothing against another establishment. You know, again, that's why I think you can charge a little bit less mm-hmm. compared to what we're doing here to where 
again, fresh juices, fresh air of Staley. If we need to throw it out, whatever, we'll throw it out. But we're not going to sell a cocktail that we aren't okay with and have you be okay with it. We yeah. want to be happy with it. We want you to be as happy as we are and vice versa. We want you to have that feeling that, you know, that money that you spent was well worth it. You got everything you wanted out of it from the first sip to the last sip. Satisfied both emotionally and tastefully? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I think, yeah, I think I think that actually covers it pretty properly. <laughs> You know, making sure that uh, they get in the mood where they want to be free, let loose, and just feel comfortable to be themselves. Again, no cell phone usage. No one's going to take video of you. No one's going to take a photo of you acting like a fool. We have Uber. We have Lyft. You know, yes, we if, do. If you feel like you've had that extra cocktail, the live music's getting to you, and you just need to take that home. If anyone's out there taking photos, they're just weirdos. We don't. We, we're not. We're not going to do that here. They're so just at very least just standing outside of the establishment, yes. waiting for you to come out. Yeah, yeah. So thankfully, we don't have that issue. So, one of the things we tell people on the swing night we do on Thursdays, uh, which is a live uh, swing music night with free swing dance instruction, is. Look, go up for the swing dance lesson. No one is there to judge you. No one is there to take pictures of you. So do your thing. If you have two left feet, oh well. No this one's going to know about right it. This guy right here. Yeah? yeah? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, this is your spot then. Uh, yeah. And you got the fedora. I so got, I'm just saying. I'm already halfway there. <laughs> so you ended up going studying culinary arts. Can, are you a good cook? Yes. Yes. Very much so. Nice. The, the tougher thing and the older you get is that uh, as you are a good cook, uh, one of the things that you realize you produce are a lot of dishes. Um, and uh, while you like to... I don't think that's just a good cook thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah there will be times where I'm looking and I have like 13 separate plates for like, you know, a small container of minced garlic, minced onions, like rosemary on the side. And the next thing I know, I'm like, oh, this tastes great. And I look at my kitchen and I'm like, what just happened? What was it worth it? <laughs> what just happened? Like, can I just, like, buy a dishwasher right now or just, can I just hire, I'll do the cooking. I'll hire somebody that can eat with me as long as they clean the dishes. Just, that's the stipulation. Just clean the dishes. That's all I want. So we were talking earlier. I had actually stumbled across a local newspaper article from earlier this year when I was looking up some stuff on the speakeasy. This is my first time here. I've heard of it, known about it for a while. And I got to (laughs) say, this is cool because it really does feel like a hidden like hole in the wall prohibition type vibe definitely yeah you are uh you're not lying about that you know uh people that are even from the area that live two blocks away will come here because their friend from two states away is visiting and has heard about this place but they haven't and it's easy to walk right by the door and yeah you know we actually it's a funny story we actually had a couple that was here last week and um they got confused and uh we always tell people look for the red light underneath the black awning because uh, uh, if, if for anyone that has not been with us here at the speakeasy basically the way that you know we're open is that there's no sign there's nothing saying speakeasy 518 open basically you have to look for a black awning down the street from where the city beer hall is which is our sister bar and look for a red light to be lit up that's how you know we're open then you got to ring a doorbell and wait for somebody to come out and ask what you're doing there <laughs> so we had a couple last week that um apparently across the street from us where we have public parking there was a red awning at a government building oh no and so they were there for what they told me about 15 20 minutes they're about to cuss the place out talk about how it was a bs speakeasy and oh. then they realized oh no no, it's the black awning at the red light as soon as they turned around. 
So yeah, it can be hard to miss or you can associate some other awning with being the wrong establishment. But um, for the people that do find us, uh, we think it's a great hidden gem. Even if you find yourself being a regular, you know, it's a great place to just come nerd out with us about. We are very, very liberal about handing out samples of products that people have never had before because that's what we do at the end of the day. We might have maybe five bottles that you have maybe seen about in TV, heard about in a magazine, so forth and so on. But for the most part, we curate to award-winning products, things that are random, unique, allocated to us. Uh, fun products like soju, sochu, uh, agua diente, racia, um, sugarcane spirits like mijang, um, mastija. So don't know what any of that yeah. is, but I'm always up for tasting. Yeah. So that's that's the idea. Much as we would do with Chris or anybody else that came to the speakeasy. If you literally wanted to taste something, as long as it's not like one of our 25-year scotches, like, you know, as well, long as it's not something we'll, like that. We'll talk about that after. Hey, yeah, well, yeah. Not, well, yeah. <laughs> so, I know the place has been open since 2011, I think, right? Oh, uh, well, well uh, the, the City Beer Hall has, which, well, again, is okay. our sister bar, but this as of uh, 2013. Oh, 2013. Yeah, yeah, Have yeah. you been here since the beginning, or how long have no, you been No, uh, the, I joined a year after it opened. I, weirdly enough, know uh, July 21st of 2014 was my first day working here. Oh, wow. Very few. I've, I've held a lot of jobs in my lifetime. I'm not going to lie. Probably about 28 to 30. And... Um, I've had very few jobs that I feel very passionate about that I'm excited to wake up for, even on my days off like today, to be able to meet up with as I'm talking with you. Yeah, it's great. Um, you got know. the place to ourselves at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Fireplace is lit. You <laughs> it know, is. Just first, saying. First day of October. Yeah, just saying, folks. I mean, uh, you guys better come here before Chris and I uh, take advantage of this fireplace, folks. It's, uh, it's it a beautiful day. a little day. weird, but all that right. Did. That did, now that I think about we it. We need a little, <laughs> little more of what we're drinking here. <laughs> Yeah, but um, you know, it's uh, it's a very cozy, comforting place. You know, it for really any em- employee that uh, works here, you know, I tell them, especially if they've just been hired. Look, you don't have to be you. Much as you know, as Chris mentioned earlier in the podcast, as he has the hat on, you know, when you come into this place, classing it up, man. Yeah. I don't know the last time I wore this. I think to the track. Oh, nice. A couple of years ago. Okay, okay. I was gonna say, I see a little straw in there. A little action happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, we always want everybody to kind of lose themselves in the moment of what the speakeasy is. To just kind of let loose, enjoy themselves. And, you know, when I'm in my usual speakeasy garb, I have the uh, the Fred, uh, the uh, Salvador Dali mustache, the hard part going vest, bow tie, stopwatch, the garter is going. But if you see me on the streets, you'll see me in a hoodie, jeans, <laughs> and a baseball cap. But that's my thing. That's what I really enjoy. What I tell every employee is when you're in this establishment, you don't have to be you. You can be something else. You can be this mystical person of yourself that goes 100 years back to being in the speakeasy era. And you can just live that moment, speak in a different voice, you know, just make it make it really enjoyable for everybody that walks in. And we get it. You know, there's people that are like, oh, we don't want to be part of this whole facade. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Like, we get it. But why not do it? Just have some fun it with try. it. Like, let loose. What's the worst that can happen? You know, like, you're going to have a fun time. Oh, oh crap. No. Like, uh, why? Yeah, so that's one of the things I really love about this establishment. 
Everyone that works here that I feel like can come in here to enjoy themselves should have that ability to feel like they can let loose. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, um, you know, one of the words that the owners have used is debaucherous when they, when they think of this place. <laughs> and think about the speakeasy you see in the movies. I mean, you know, one of the tougher things that, you know, and I'm sorry if I'm going on a tangent here. but No, that's, man, that's what this is for. You know, as my, uh, as my lovely lady would say, short story long. Uh, but short story long, you know, I think the first two years this establishment was open, it was under this direction of guys that you need to be dressed a certain way. You needed to sit in a seat. There was no standing room. But as oh. we've evolved, we've become more of a beer place, a wine place. We have more non-alcoholic options than we ever had. So if people want mocktails and they just want to have food, listen to a band, they can gladly do so. It's, but fu I, it's funny you say how it's changed from when it's first opened. I remember, of course, I've heard about this place for pretty much since it's open to some extent or another mm -hmm. but there's always been <laughs> been odd rumors out there yeah yeah uh folks you don't need a password to come in um that you don't is, need a membership i was telling a buddy at work that i was coming to hang out and talk to you he's like and his first question was if he needed a membership yep yep <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we I do. I don't think that's the case, man. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh for six years. Well, now actually four years since we've uh, kind of let people know about this kind of format that we are in that is realistically sustainable compared to just sit down, be quiet, enjoy your cocktail, but don't speak too loudly. Which again, I don't, I don't see that in any movie you see it of a speakeasy. Yeah. You see people having a good time, having Here's fun, a drink, letting now loose. Shut your mouth when you talk to me. Yeah, I don't get that. I really don't get that. Yeah, that's uh, definitely maybe maybe what people heard about the place when we first opened, but definitely not anymore. But much along the lines of what you were what we're noting on, you know, people still. And it has, I did not realize this, but it has really bothered people that we don't have the dress code that we used to. But, has you know, really? yeah, it's uh, it's it's gotten to the point that, you know, I thought people I don't want to say the wrong word or the wrong kind of aggravating word, but I never realized that people would let other people dictate their experience to the point that they were dressed up. But if somebody else wasn't dressed up and it wasn't a worker, it was just somebody else enjoying a drink that them not being dressed up would affect their experience in the establishment. Man, people to, worry too much, man. They really do. They really do. So that's one of the things, and we've let people know about that. Look, when you're in here, obviously don't come in in a T-shirt and athletic shorts that you look like you just got done with your run and you're having a drink, like sweating the place up. But we let people know that our regulars, like, you don't need to come in with, like, a three-piece suit. You know, the ladies don't need to come in with white gloves, like, and a dress, <laughs> like... The old flapper here, dresses. Yeah. Like, if you come here every week, like, we get it. You don't have a 20s dress or a suit that you can wear every time you come to the speakeasy to drink for sometimes maybe an hour, maybe two. So it's become a thing for us that we don't judge people by their dress. We judge them by their candor and their conduct with us. Let me ask you this. Has anyone ever come in while you're working and you thought, holy shit, that guy's committed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three-piece suit with the, uh, with the tail. With the tail really? on the uh, the blazer and the monocle, I kid you nice. not, and the monocle, and I just saw that, and I think I gave them a glass of cava, which is a sparkling Spanish wine that we have just on us, and I was like, sir, just um, I don't think I'll ever see this again. <laughs> like, like, thank you so much for just doing it, doing it yeah, right, man. doing the you part, can do it, go all out, yeah. And that's, you know, that's the, as, as it was mentioned earlier in this podcast, you know, that feeling of when you're here, you don't have to be you. Get dressed up. Let loose. Like, it's like a cosplay at a Comic-Con. Exactly. Just 
very much more boozy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely more boozy. That is that is for certain. And um, you know, what one of the other things, you know, going on to your question before about, you know, what you heard about us, you know, this membership thing. Yeah, we have memberships, but that doesn't mean that you can't get in if you don't have one. So anyone that wants to have a drink, we have room at the bar. Even if we don't have seats, we have standing room available. If you want to have a drink, you're more than welcome to. You don't need a membership, you don't need a password. If you do dress up, God bless you, and we love you for it. Like, I would love if every single person dressed up, but I get it if you don't. I get it. Man, I just get a fedora. Get yeah. <laughs> just Jason Mraz. I'll have to. Oh, you ruined it for me. <laughs> I should take this off now. No, no. I mean, you know, he's doing uh, his thing. Okay. You know? Yeah, good for him. <laughs> what is. Uh... <laughs> so. Obviously, you've been here a while. What do you, what's been the most outrageous rumor you think you've heard about the place? Um, Anything that's really stood out? I, you know, that's funny. I, I've heard of outrageous ones, but there's not one that's like, are you, like, kidding me? Like, there's not one like that. Like, my favorite are the bad Yelp reviews. Um, there was somebody talking about this sweet potato vodka we had and how horrible it was sweet potato vodka yeah i didn't know there was one i'm sure there is but i didn't know there was one there is a flavor for everything out there yeah no, yeah especially when it comes to vodka uh <laughs> that is for certain i love it vodka pays the bills it's a it's a you know it's great clear odorless and flavorless by definition so we have two that we carry when it comes to vodkas of all the uh subdivisions of spirit categories that's mm -hmm. probably the least of uh, the amounts that we carry um, the only reason why is that, look, I love vodka as much as anybody else does, but at the end of the day, by definition, as was just mentioned, it's supposed to be clear, odorless, and flavorless. So when we are making cocktails, we want every spirit to have an identity to stand out, and when by definition it's clear, odorless, and flavorless, again, we carry it, we have Recipe 21 as well as Stoli Elite, so we have two what we think are very good vodkas. But at the end of the day, we've just noticed that other spirits stand out more when you're mixing them with cocktails as opposed to vodka does. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I'll gladly drink a vodka tonic any day of the week, a uh, properly made Moscow mule. <clears throat> that is for certain. But I like just more of the unique kind of spirits. And unfortunately, the more unique ones I like are not the ones that people are readily willing to try or maybe I've never heard of before and it blows their mind. Uh, one of them for me is probably Mastica, which I put in quite a bit of my cocktails, but it's a short white squat bottle or it can come in a few different variations. There's probably five or six different producers. And apparently it's produced from a sap from a tree that's made in the southern region of uh, Greece known as really? the Chios region. Oh, yeah. And it's uh, produced from the first the tree, which is uh, the first form of what we now know as chewing gum. Uh, mastic or masticate, M-A-S-T-I-C. And I have had the chance to try that gum probably about two years ago. It sticks to your teeth and loses <laughs> its flavor in half a second. It's delicious. So, kind of like juicy fruit. <laughs> yeah. I put, I put all five sticks in at once. I mean, that's how you know you get that's, at least ten seconds of flavor. Forget your chewing gum in five seconds. Like, what, why am I chewing on this paper? What is this? Is this string cheese in my mouth? Get this out of here. Goodness gracious. So when it comes to trying to maintain the vibe, this prohibition type air, what do you think is usually the most difficult aspect? I'm very thankful for it now. 
Uh, but I think my biggest issue for a while was getting a staff that was behind it. Mm-hmm. And I th- you kind of got to buy in. You yeah. Gotta, you got to enjoy you gotta buy what in. you do, for Ex- sure. You're absolutely right about that. You got to enjoy every aspect of what this is about. No classic cocktails. Know the way they were made back then, not, to, not the way they were made in the 50s and the 1980s. But, you know, if we make a whiskey sour, the way we make it is with an egg white, which is how it was made back in the 1880s compared to the 1980s Don Johnson Miami Vice version, which was, you know, a sour mix, sour fructose, corn syrup, all that kind of stuff. But the toughest thing is what I have now is an issue that I, uh, or what I have now is an issue I didn't, or I used to have in the past, or sorry, I'm not phrasing that correctly. (laughs) What I have now is what I didn't have in the past, which is a staff that is down with the idea that is willing to learn every single day and become better and more knowledgeable than, than they were the day before. Yeah. Um, the guy who I would consider my head bartender, uh, Blake Courtright, I think it was telling me a story about a year ago how we went into a bar and couldn't make a Tom Collins on request. Wow. And this day, if you talk to him, you think the guy would be bartending for 10 years, 20 years. Really? Like, this guy is so knowledgeable. He is beyond, like, he's just taken the skill set, the idea of what this establishment is. I, see, I learn from him every week, which is a huge factor from any employee. Is regardless of how big you've made it, regardless of what accolades, what titles you get, you should surround yourself with self with employees that help you to become better every single day. Absolutely, man. Uh, this other guy, Trevor, who's my assistant manager here, um, you know, admittedly was not too strong on the bar, but is an amazing server. So mm-hmm. what we've done every single day is just break down one new bottle behind that bar. Because that's the way I learned when I was learning about bartending was I didn't go, okay, I'm going to learn this whole back bar in one day. <laughs> there is a lot of stuff. Yeah. And not being a prominent liquor drinker, I have no idea what most of it is. Yeah, which, uh, again, you know, that's uh, part of our jobs as professionals, which is why, as mentioned before, I think I'm in a very good place now with the staff I have, is that they're all willing to learn every single bottle that's behind that bar. And in my belief, you know, how do you feel as a service you know, a service industry professional, if you aren't willing to learn every single day, if you don't feel like you already know everything that's on, you know, on your plate that you'll be asked about at some point. And so with Trevor, you know, I've now watched him learn about 20% of the bar. And it's amazing to see where he was two months ago to where it is now to be like, wow, man, like, I could leave. I could. I could leave this establishment for a month. Come back and know that nothing was missing. Like everything went the way it was supposed to. It's certainly a good feeling. Yeah. So I. Um. Th- it's having the right staff in place. You know. I know the kind of person I am, and I know how I would push myself. But if the weakest person on your staff, staff, and we all have strong people, but if the weakest person on your staff is dragging behind, then how can you as a team move forward if that? weakest person doesn't have the right resources hasn't taken the time to learn their things we got to take the time with that person to make sure they're straight and they're right so that we can keep the ship moving forward because yeah. we're not gonna we're not just gonna push somebody to the wayside and go oh okay whatever they'll learn no it's you're gonna learn with us we're gonna get to this point we're gonna do it together and that's the biggest thing i think that is being lost on a service industry professional of today is that a lot of people will go in, they want their checks, they want to leave, they want to do whatever they can on their phones or be out, you know, having their fun posted on social media, which don't get me wrong. I do that every now and again, but um, Hey man, honestly, from doing the podcast, the social media aspect, 
That's the toughest. That's the toughest shit. It's because yeah. of how much time it actually takes, and I. Yeah. I, I hate hashtags. I don't. I don't I'm not gonna lie. So much time on you know like Twitter and Instagram and yeah. things. But, but I do sometimes. Most yeah. actually, honestly, if for people out there, if you ever see me posting stuff in spurts, <laughs> I'm probably drunk or drinking. <laughs> that's when it happens most. God bless. If it's, uh, if it's just like a one-off, yeah, I'm probably not drinking. But if I shoot out like two or three things in a row. Yeah. Totally unrelated. Yeah. Like, oh, all right. Yeah, he's feeling good. No, I'm, uh, you know, I'm pretty much only on Facebook and Instagram to promote the speakeasy and uh, take care of the accounts. But uh, before that, I would say uh, one of the best inventions that Facebook or Twitter came up with was the delete button. Because, uh, yeah, you, I mean, you you will find yourself, uh, find yourself putting your foot in your mouth, saying things that don't make any sense to you whatsoever until you read them sober uh you'll burn yeah yeah, you'll burn bridges without realizing it and uh for me it's just not worth it at this point i heard a fantastic simple rule the other day when it came to twitter type out whatever you're gonna type out wait 10 seconds and then read it yep you're absolutely right that's uh, how I handle my business emails. I'll I'll write them, then put them in a draft, and I'll look at them the next day and go, whoa, 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 that sounds snarky. Yeah. Like re- rewrite that thing. Like you got a way to rephrase that because, you know, it's uh, it's it's easy to post something. It's hard to understand how other people are gonna take it. That is uh, that's a tough thing, and especially you know when it comes to just reading something, it's all interpreted based on what that person thinks in that moment, not necessarily your intention of posting something. I find I'm uh, I'm a big fan of sarcasm, but that doesn't generally come no. across. It doesn't come as cross no. as well in <laughs> Twitter and text and stuff. It just sounds like I'm a dick. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I had so, that I had that a week ago uh, with a uh, call. Um, I don't know how to phrase it because I don't want to put the division of the person I dealt with, but a potential business client. That's that's a good way. All right. So a potential business client who reached out to me on three separate occasions about something they wanted to present to me, let them know. And it was now seeing from the other person's eyes, I could see how the email was curt and a little rude. Mm-hmm. Um, but... The response I got, and again, you know, I realized, again, after reading it, okay, my response could have been a little bit better, but I got essentially an essay back about knowing how to communicate people, like, what is the right response, uh, how to deal with professionals, so forth and so on. And it's just one of those that you read and you're like, ah, man, no, that wasn't the intention. Like, I'm sorry. Like, don't take it yep. that badly. But okay, you're already you're already on the highway going 90 miles an hour. Like, I am oh. good. I can't I can't slow you down. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> things like that happen. Uh, Let's talk about funnier stuff. Yeah, or more fun stuff. Swing dancing. Oh yeah, swing, swing, baby. So swing at night, not swinger night, as uh, (laughs) as a lot of people assume. Certainly clarify that. Yeah. has anyone shown up at thinking? Yeah, yeah. When we have first, they really? so I I have been here for about four and a half years. Um, I am now coming on about a year of being back. I left for about ten months. Uh, went to three separate places before coming back to the Speakeasy, and we used to have it on Tuesday nights. And when I started it up with uh, Mike Jenkins, uh, who resides over in Troy, who was part of the swing night with us on Tuesdays. It became a thing where it was part swinger and part swing night. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, that got weeded out very quickly. 
but God bless my gender, there were quite a few dudes um, that were just hanging around that would creepily ask me, like, what's her deal? What's her deal? I'm like, that's where I was just like, dude, I don't know. Why don't you talk to him? Like, you're in a bar that allows no <laughs> cell phones, so you can't be on your phone. Why don't you actually talk to him? Like, talking to me is going to get you nowhere. Like... What, what are we, 15? Like, are you going to go out with me? Yes, no, maybe? Like, are you going to write that on a thing so and have me circle it? They like, don't come in and, like, think it's a giant key party or yeah, something. Yeah, That's so, amazing. So, thankfully, it's become one of those things that uh, it's gotten away from, from people under, thinking it's a swinger night and now knowing that it's a swing night. That's fantastic. So, yeah, we do this every single Thursday. Uh, we open up some of the area in our ba- uh, back area of our bar and be- open that up into being a swing dance area. What's cool is I saw you guys even bring in like some local dedicated swing. Is it professional? Yeah. Are they professional? Oh yeah. Okay. And they keep. I don't know what constitutes a professional swing dancer. That's why I. That's the only reason I hesitate to say. I'd say. I'd say. I learned it myself. But anyone that knows the difference between East Coast and West Coast swing. I guess East Coast is like the easier, like we're going to move to the left and right for seven steps, then we're going to spin on the eighth one. Okay. Where West Coast is the one where you see people being thrown over their shoulders, being caught in the air, uh, twisting over each other, other like eight separate times. So this is a much more easier style. So they know the swing dancers and the swing instructors know what they're doing. If it was up to them, it'd be West Coast. But they understand that as a business, as we are a speakeasy, that there are a lot of people that are like, oh, I want to swing dance, but I shouldn't. I want to swing dance. That's it. Oh, no. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm gonna and go. it's probably a little tight it. to start flinging people around all yeah. over. Yeah. <laughs> no, as uh, Chris just mentioned, we are very limited in space here at the speakeasy. Uh as it is a bar, it could almost be coded as one room if you didn't include the bathrooms, our beer, uh, liquor area, as well as beer area. But uh, we were fortunate enough to open up our back area, move some sofas and tables out of the way to where we've noticed at least 20 people comfortably dancing. Nice. But uh, it also does get to that point that they'll run out of room and they'll make their way to the kind of walk area where our tables, our bar seats are, and they'll uh. just dance over there. And when they dance over there, I don't know why. They can't stay in one spot. They just got to take up everything. But at the end of the day, it works well because people that are sitting in these seats start to look up. They start to see it, and they go, ooh. Like, they're dancing. And they dancing. start to get involved. All right. Nice. And that's what we want. Yeah. Like, I guess, you know, as mentioned before with the owners wanting to debaucherous, the debaucherousness of it, I guess, you know, what it really means at the end of the day is free party. Basically, they just want everybody to come in and feel like there is... I I can feel okay getting out of my booth. I can feel okay getting out of my stool seat. I can dance with people. I can talk to somebody I've never met before. Like, that's what they want. Like, they want it to be a party scene inside, but also that understanding that if you're with your friend and you don't want to be bothered with, okay, that's cool. Like, we'll leave you alone. Like, you know, you'll see that with situations where, like... Guys don't, like, grab girls and be like, yo, let's start dancing, or vice versa. Like, it'll be like, oh, excuse me, like, would you like to have this dance? And yes. it's like, no. Okay, that's fine. All right, well, I'll be over here if you change your mind. Mm-hmm. It's never like, oh, well, I can't believe she said no. Like, what is this? It's like, no. Oh, they said no? Okay. Not the kind I just asked somebody else. Yeah. And you'll see, you know, and it's a very open atmosphere. Like, you'll see a lot of guys dancing with guys, girls dancing with girls. And, you know, a lot of it, too, is to mainly get their dance moves down. Um, See, I have no problem saying I suck at dancing. Yeah. But uh, after getting good and liquored up and having some swing lessons, I certainly and no 
phones around yep. to capture me falling on my face. <laughs> I'm all for giving it a go. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely definitely a fun time. That's for certain. <laughs> you guys uh, do a lot of live music too, right? It's yeah, mostly it's pretty much all jazz. Yeah, for the most part, uh, we've expanded our section a little bit to where every first Friday of the month we have more of an ambient jazz kind of a feel. Uh, so more or less, it's a guitar player, a drummer, and then a lady who scats. And I should say. Jazz, J-A-Z-Z, not Jason Mraz. No, no, no more Mraz. We're past Mraz at this not point. Not Mraz. No, no. Okay. No, Let's no, no, thank clarify. God. Yeah, no, upside down. Um, yeah, it's um, mainly that we do a Boogaloo night every third Friday of the month, which is kind of focused Such towards kind word. of like, yeah, it's fun to say, Boogaloo. <laughs> Um, but that's kind of focused towards swing with an organ trio, uh, kind of being their thing. So it's kind of more like funk swing kind of a feel to it. And then, um, some of the other cats we have playing have recently released albums. So they'll play originals from their albums. A lot of, uh, I'd say, I wouldn't say aggressive jazz, but definitely not straight four, four jazz. Like we have very few people that play just like, I guess what you would say, like, no offense, no offense out there, but your cookie cutter jazz to where it's just like snap your finger, kind of like, yeah. Never heard anyone refer- right. use the words aggressive and jazz in yeah. the same sentence. I just thought of like angry people yeah. trying to blow on a saxophone. Yeah, faces getting red. Yeah, it's, just- it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> they bring a lot of passion to the music, that is for certain. That is one thing I realized is that... I am beyond lucky, very fortunate enough to have a plethora of musicians that want to play at this establishment and very fortunate to have the good relationships with them. And they um It's actually it's living in Albany, it's pretty amazing that there's there's really no shortage of music selection and really local isn't. artists around just to call up and be like, Hey, you wanna play? Yeah. Even that one musician who uh as mentioned earlier, you know, probably would never want to play here again. That's you know, I'm very lucky that that's one of maybe a hundred different acts that I can book. And I'm not trying to, you know, downplay that person in any way or, you know, downplay the quality musicians that we have here by just talking about availability in terms of quantity of people you can actually book. Yeah. But I think, you know, I've gotten it down to where we have somebody playing at least once a month here. But the ones that play are the people that I love not only talking to, but love hearing their music. And I mean, for me, you know, even if it's a slow night, I get paid to listen to them play. Nothing so for wrong me, with it's freaking great. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I get paid to listen to live music every night except for Wednesday. That's like, awesome. I'm okay with it. Yeah, man. So even when it's slow, it's like, oh, like I'm a musician myself. So it's fun to see like what the bassist, what the drummers will do, trying to see their technique, then try to bring it home and try to apply it to you know my set or my acts, and then from there just try to try to learn more and more from that. But yeah. I uh, never in my life would have thought I'd get paid to listen to live music and get to book it. So that it's is pretty a dream. awesome. It's pretty awesome. Well, why don't we take a quick little break? Anything else around to taste? Oh, yeah. Tasty, we, tasty? We got, we got, we got quite a bit, good right, sir. We'll take quite a little a break, and I'll be right back. Cheers. All right. So we're back. 
and why don't you tell me a little bit about what uh, we're drinking now? All right, we are drinking the non-adulterated version of what we know as a Mai Tai, which is the Trader Vic Mai Tai. Um, this is not an eight-ingredient thing like you would see at most of your uh, Chinese restaurants that has cherry juice, pineapple juice, all this other BS. Uh, it is the Trader Vic Mai Tai, which is created back in 1944. It is not made the right way unless you have freshly made orgette syrup, which we happen to have here at the Speakeasy. This is quite tasty. Thank you. Uh, so what we end up doing is we make this orgette syrup, and in order to do so, we take almonds, we'll crush them, roast them off for three to five minutes. Then we'll mix them together with some water, sugar, orange flower blossom water, rose water, and then we'll let that simmer, then sit for four to five hours, letting all the oils infuse back into the sugar, and then strain all of it out. Uh, and then from there, we're left with the orgette syrup. You mix that together. In this case, have we had with a 17-year uh, Trinidadian rum, known as Corona 2000, uh, a dry carousel from Pierre Ferran, Car- um, Pierre Ferran, which is a three orange liqueur. Sorry, get it right. Yeah, I know. Sorry, <laughs> friends. I hope you're not taking notes out going there. Going down the toilet now. <laughs> But uh, Quinato, Sour Orange, and Valencia's go into that. Uh, And then we squeezed a half a lime. And because you can't see it, we have mint in there, too. That's right. Mint. (laughs) Mint, which makes the rest of the uh, Mai Tai. So this is a Trader Vic Mai Tai created back in 1944. The right way to have it, folks. Goes well with my fedora. It does. That's not Jason Mraz. That's right. No guitar, though. No No. guitar. All right. Uh, Another cool thing you guys do that I saw, mixology competitions. Yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so every Wednesday we are blessed by the fact that um, as the alcohol world becomes oversaturated, that they decided to give pretty much anybody that wanted a position of brand ambassador for a liquor company in the division (laughs) of the company that actually sells the stuff itself. So we literally have people that either already have their products here or want to get their products here. So what we essentially do is we negotiate for them to come in for our drink night, which happens every Wednesday here. So they come in an hour early before we typically open. Uh, So we open up at 7 o'clock Thursday through Saturday, but on Wednesdays we end up opening at 6. And what they do is they give a sample of what products they think is unique to their portfolio. If it's the only one, they'll give that along with some other samples. But basically from 6 to 8, they give a sample of whatever they have in their portfolio. Then at 8 o'clock, we shift to the bar. And then we bring in two local talents, whether they're bartenders, if they're avid enthusiasts, if they love bartending, cocktailing, and we put them behind the bar. From there, the people that brought in their spirits for everyone to taste will have two to three secret ingredients. They will give it to the people behind the bar, and they will be instructed to make uh, three cocktails within 15 minutes using those secret ingredients. So my favorite... My favorite ever was from uh, Westland Distilling, uh, which ended up giving, uh, they did their sample of three different products they had that are available to us in New York, because stupid state laws say we can't get their really good bottle, uh, but whatever, that's just stupid liquor laws, liquor laws, F-U-S-L-A. Yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of stupid laws when it comes to that. It's yeah. a lot of bad ones, but um, so... When we had Westland Distilling, which is an American single malt producer out of Seattle, they ended up bringing in cold-pressed ginger, cold-brew coffee, and chocolate bitters for the bartending competition. 
And it's because they aren't mixologists, they don't know how to mix together drinks, but they said, these are the three things that we think highlight our whiskeys. Let's see what you can do with them. So it's a test of, hey, how knowledgeable are you? But also, you know, it's not like a competition where you have a month to be like, okay, this is what I'm going to come up with and it's going to win. It's no, we're coming to your bar. This is what we want you to make. And you better make it now. It's not like, okay, well, give me an hour to make it. No, this is what we want, so make it for us. So we do the competition in that same way to where it's like, hey, if I came to a bar and I wanted the Westland whiskey, but I wanted some ginger profile, maybe some chocolate, some coffee, I would hope that I would get something from you right away and not feel like, oh, I have to wait a while and come up with something. No, Mm -hmm. like if I come to a bar and you know what you're doing as a bartender, that's the idea of the competition is let's see what you can do with these secret ingredients. So as soon as they find those out, they have 15 minutes. Then the judges, one of them will be the person that brings in the product. The other one is our judge ambassador. We have one by the name of Michael Lacero. And then uh, one other person. They'll judge the cocktails, and then the winner will win a prize uh, that is provided by the person that does the tastings. Is there a current champion? Someone um, out there with bragging rights? There are two people that have won four or five times in a row. One of them is uh, Trudy Steyer that works up at Savoy Tap Room. Okay. And the other one is a barber out of Rensselaer really? uh, by the name of Skylar Shore. Um, I'm not sure of where he cuts hair out of, but he won four <laughs> weeks in a row. <laughs> But uh, that's what I mean. You that's know, you don't, you don't have to be a bartender. You can be an enthusiast. You can be somebody that loves spirits. And uh, he just knew how to mix it together right for four weeks. You, uh, you didn't throw a name out there for that third judge. So I want to circle back to that. Uh, what uh, kind we, of criteria hey, are we talking about I'm just, here? I'm, hey, as, long as, there's, uh, <laughs> as long as there's no fedoras. But uh, we do have, uh, we, can, we can bring you it back, definitely. We can definitely make that happen. Nice. I got to say... Uh, there may not be a membership, but uh, should be a little something special for people that come in and say they've listened to the podcast. I like that idea. You know what? That is a very good idea. Maybe a glass of kava on See, us this or is, possibly This is what I do discount. for the listeners out there. No. It's a real know, sacrifice on my end. But yeah, this is... I know. He's, he's contributing a lot to do this, folks, <laughs> just so you know. I would say, you know, if you do listen to this podcast, if you have heard this, just let us know. You'll get a glass of kava on us, which is a sparkling Spanish wine. Or we can build you a flight of random and unique spirits, something you may have never heard before, and guide you through the four uh, spirits. Uh, so if you just mentioned uh, that you know you were uh, you heard the uh, stories from a bar podcast, or you've heard Chris mention it to you, just let us know at the speakeasy, and I'll let the staff know that you know you can have your choice of a glass of cava on us. Or I think the better choice would be to uh, have us build you a sample flight of four unique spirits you may have never heard of before. And from there, really open your eyes to some of the cooler, cooler spirits and things we do here at Speakeasy 518. Listen to the man, folks. He knows what he's talking Sweet. about. <laughs> when it comes to the competition, have you ever thought of having two amateurs go at it? Yeah. Actually, uh, actually had that. <laughs> and you know what made me think of that? There's a show on Netflix called Nailed It, I think. It's like they take people, it's about baking, but mm. people that have basically never baked are terrible at it. <laughs> show them what the end pro- professionals, show them what the end product is supposed to look like. As somebody, and then no one ever comes close. Yeah, no, as somebody I went to culinary school, I can tell you that I would be amazed passing by the pastry art section. And they would always have these different displays going out. I remember one time I saw an autumn garden 
you know, they had the leaves out, like with all the different colors. It's and it, it was, doesn't even look like food. And it was burnt fondant. It was sugar. It was basically just sugar that they turned into some majestical landscape. If we do that with food, like you see the turkey, like you know what that is. Like you can't like set stuff on fire to look like a certain shape. <laughs> like, oh, it doesn't taste good. Let me add salt and pepper to it. Okay, it's good. Like I set Bacon? my marshmallow on fire for <laughs> s'mores. That's about it. <laughs> you know, that's that's a fun thing. But bakers, oh my gosh, if you don't have everything right before you put it in the oven, you're done. Yeah. You're just done. There's no correcting afterwards. You're just, you're fucked. <laughs> it's as simple as that. So in your opinion, what do you think makes a great cocktail? Um, a drink that has different profiles from start to finish. All right. I think, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, your typical mixers like a rum and coke, you know, vodka club or uh, gin and tonic, you feel like you know what you're going to get from that. There was one Halloween where I dressed up as Captain Morgan. Uh, People got mad at me when I wasn't drinking a Captain and Coke. That's because I needed good. A, they I needed should. A, I needed you're a break, man. You're representing, though. You can't do that. I needed a break. The Captain doesn't take a it break. It was going to be a real short night if that's all. <laughs> <laughs> captain doesn't take a break, baby. Oh, captain, my captain. Ah, but yeah, that's um, you know, when it uh, when it comes to the right drink, I as mentioned, I feel like it's something that either should evoke a memory, or it should be something that touches you deep down, yeah. brings up that blocked memory from oh childhood, gosh. good what or I, bad. Yeah. One of my favorite compliments ever was I made this drink for a gentleman who was a uh, friend of Brian Falquette, who is the head distiller at um, Prohibition Distillery, one of my one of my favorite distilleries in the area. And uh, his buddy had a sip of this drink I made for him, like had this like screwed up face, uh, you know, on and then went back to it. So he gave it another sip and he's like, you know what this reminds me of, Emmanuel? The smell on the Kentucky Plains before the, before the rainstorms. Wow. And I was just like, holy shit. What did I do? But I, I'm writing this down. Like, wow, man. Like, And then the guy next to him goes, this reminds me when I was five years old. Uncle Tom wasn't really <laughs> Uncle Tom. <laughs> yep, yep. No, thankfully, thankfully, uh, not too many like those. Just more and more or less Kentucky Plain ones. Thank God. You know, I've had somebody uh, ask me to make a drink that tasted like the sea, which I can't remember what I did, but <laughs> yeah, no, you figure just salt water, right? Um, What's the oddest request you've gotten? Um, I think somebody wanted tiramisu in a glass. I think that's one of the more odd ones. If there is anything that's odder than that, it's not coming to mind, but somebody wanted, like... They I mean, wanted, there's like dessert shots out, but they there. wanted they wanted the float like to oh, have really? that like profile like whipped cream on it. So oh, wow. I did something I can't remember. But I did something with an egg white, so it would have that like form on the top of it and have that proper meringue that you needed. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that's definitely one of the more interesting ones. Is tiramisu. We uh, we can work together on creating a new cocktail. We can call it Stories from a Cocktail. I can dig this. Nice. See, I came up with the name. You just have to do the rest. Because <laughs> I know that's, nothing. Look, that's okay with me. I always tell people that sit at the bar when they get a custom cocktail. You want like, it to the... evoke stories? Yes. There you go. Stories yes. from a cocktail. A thing. Exactly. We're on a roll here. I know. Really contributing today. Because I suck at names, but I think I make good drinks. So I, uh, I think we can, I think we got a I'm still trying here. to get someone to name a beer Slap and Tickle. Slap and Tickle. Uh, yeah. That's, that's a that's good one. That's a good one. name for a cocktail, too. That that could be. Just saying, you know, that you know, that would be the slaps most you in the face one. with the taste, tickles your throat on the way down. That that would, that would be <laughs> that would be by far the most popular option. 
with our custom Based on menu. Name alone. Yeah, just saying, you know, people people like that. We had a drink last week on our custom menu that was uh, Damn Gina, based off of the Martin Lawrence uh, show Martin. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but uh, wow, people, I, I, I just would walk by people and they'd be going, Damn Gina, huh? <laughs> All right. Like, none of the other cocktails, but that was the most expensive one, and it said Damn Gina on it, and they're like, Damn Gina, huh? All right. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's like, damn, Gina. Get it, so pronounce it, it right. Mm-hmm. Damn. So anyway, I'd let them order it. They're like, did I pronounce that right? I'd be like, no, nah, sorry. Yeah, yeah exactly. Say, damn, so do Gina. You, do you, you and the other people working here go around with Cockney accents and stuff uh, like that? If, I'm, if I really want to fuck with people, yes. But for <laughs> the most part, you know what? You know what's kind of you know tough is for the most part, a lot of people are already kind of, I don't. I can't Bad at of, it, but want to do it? No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. I think, I think, unfortunately, a majority of the people here are, um, again, I can't think of a better word, but scared about what they see on the bar because it's not their typical doers, uh, white okay. label, their gray goose. Yep. So one of the tougher things at first with the newer people is, like, just getting them comfortable about what they're about to taste because, again, you know, like, we used to have cocktails on the menu that people would order just because it says scotch on it. But if you look at a lot of the classic scotch tales, with the exception of maybe one or two of them, a lot of them are super sweet and have a shit ton of juice and like sugar in them. Mm-hmm. And so we would get sendbacks quite a bit because people really? would just see scotch and they'd be like, oh, it's a scotch drink. It's got to be smoky or it's got to be like spirit forward. And they wouldn't read the rest. They'd just see scotch and then they'd go from there. So like as much as much old timey and like old school I'd like to be, like I think a lot of people are just scared about their first experience here and like <laughs> trusting us with being able to put a good drink in their glass. And when yeah. they get to that point, then I think they get comfortable. They want to get dressed up, come in, play the part. Yeah. To approach somebody like that, they think it's cool. They think it's cheeky. They think it's for the era, but I don't think it'd be something that would bring them back. Unfortunately. Ah, okay. I gotta say, I'd be down for it. Okay. I'm, even if I don't understand half of what's being said. Yeah. No, that was uh. Well, perception is reality. I can actually remember one of my first quick, quick side note. Again, short story, long. Hey man. Um, but I can remember one of my first times ever going out, meeting up with some of the people was uh, some of the people that came on swing night, and they wanted to go out for a drink at uh the illustrious Palais Royal. Uh, so we ended up, I think, meeting there, with five other people including this lady and when i got there like i showed up in my hoodie and jeans you know just Mm -hmm. like whatever i'm done with work and she just looked at me like who the hell are you like what's going on and i was like what and she's like why aren't you dressed up i was like well because i'm not working anymore like i'm just here to have a drink and she's like i can't believe it like Uh. all right whatever so and so I go to order my drink and like before I do she's like let me guess you're gonna get a Manhattan a martini right and I was like no I just want to Miller High Life and she's just like what <laughs> are you kidding me and I was like look like it's the champagne of beers man it, it, it is look I love me a High Life I'll drink those all day long because there's no other good way to have a buzz and stay hydrated at the same fair time. point and uh, the High Life does that for you. But going along to what you said, like that whole mirror thing, like people like they'll they'll get into who you are in this establishment, 
And as mentioned, you know, if they see me out, it's like, what are you doing not drinking Wow, a you're martini? a letdown outside of the speakeasy. Uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, after that night, I like, going to sleep, I was like, damn, I should have just come in with a bow tie and ordered That's a martini. That's how you have to live your life like, now. Just yeah, sleep in your I'm bow tie. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. This sucks. So speaking of good <laughs> drinks, as we just talked about High Life. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's out. say you can only have one cocktail the rest of your life. What do you go with? Well, the Negroni. A groni. I think it goes back to what we were talking about before in terms of what you think is, uh, when you asked me what I think a good cocktail is. And the Negroni was the first drink I ever had when I had it on the rocks. I was like, this is very boozy up front, too sweet in the middle, too bitter at the end. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. Gave it another sip, and then it started to come together a little bit. Gave it another sip, and I was like, ooh, this is all right. Fourth sip, I was like, what in the world? Like, yo, that sweet bitter alcohol like that's all coming together wow this is really cool <laughs> and then by the first sip my ice cube hit the bottom of the glass and i was like wow like holy shit this is a cocktail like this is how cocktails are supposed to be because before that i worked in a in a college bar in uh, oniana and the now now disfunct old spanish tavern uh Quite a little liquor for anyone that knows the OST or the Oost and their oh, OSTs back I, I, in the day. I hit that only on a line there. Oh, I think only once when I man. went to go visit a buddy. What a gem of a bar. It's now it's now the Red Drug Pub, but that was one of the only bars that survived Prohibition. It was the only bar on Main Street for a while. For anyone that's out there listening that has been to the Oost, the old Spanish tavern, pour uh, a little liquor out, God bless. What a beautiful establishment. But... I didn't learn a shit about how to mix drinks when I worked there. <laughs> I knew how to make shots. I knew how to pour beer. Oh, those are more I know how to make college, coke, college yeah. row right there. That's, that, is, that is college row in psychology. If you get stuck with working the opening shift, you're going to be talking to a dude in a beat-up plaid shirt with ripped jeans talking about how his wife left him 10 years ago. His <laughs> dog's on his deathbed. and Apparently, instead of being there and taking care of the house, he needs to bitch to you for four hours about it. And that's what you got to do is you got to be a psychologist on top of being a bartender. Oh, that's the, the other half bars. of the job. You're right. That is the other half of the job is the uh, the the catering to the to the soul and uh, just knowing that apparently the guy serving you drinks and charging you the money for it understands it's your the best plate. Possible person as to ask. You do. He's the professional help that you is, need. Yeah, no, really. He'll uh, he'll not be there to take care of you at your house, but he'll serve you that beer. He gladly will. <laughs> is there a drink you hope no one ever orders while you're working? Um, you know, I think I think for me, it's not so much a drink that nobody orders. Well, it's, let's say what's the biggest pain in the ass? Because um, I feel. I don't want you to throw that out there. People hear this, and then that's all they come in and order. No, and I think I think for me, a pain... So I see a pain in the ass drink a different way than usual people do. Or, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say usual people. Goodness, people I'm like that an alien don't get here. paid to make it. But, um, no, um, for me, a pain in the ass is not a rum with gin fizz or making, like, a cocktail that requires, like, 9 to 11 minutes to, ma- uh, to make. Like... Mm-hmm. If it comes out as quality when it's all said and done, I don't mind about a drink taking a while. For me, a pain in the ass drink is the person that wants a martini, whether it be gin or vodka, very dry, and lemon twist. Which, 
you know, my my biggest thing is about correction on how you order things, which at the end of the day, if you order a very dry gin or vodka martini up with the twist, you might as well just say, can I get chilled vodka or gin in a martini glass? <laughs> That's all you should say, or in a coup glass. Because one of the biggest things is that when we make martinis here, 50% of them get sent back. And it's unfortunately because people do not realize that a martini is made two parts to one part vermouth to, to, your, to your spirit of choice, like a Manhattan would be. Mm-hmm. Two ounces of your, of your whiskey or your uh, you know, rye, bourbon, Japanese whiskey, so forth, so on of choice, to so one ounce of vermouth to two dashes of bitters. Yet, it's become a thing with the vodka martini these days that if you put vermouth in it, that it's like blasphemy. And it's like, why does the Manhattan get to have vermouth, but the martini doesn't? Like, it's such bullshit to me. Like, and you know, we don't have James Bond to thank either or Ian Fleming along those lines uh, for basically creating the Vesper, which is now people think they need their martinis shaken, which is absolute bullshit. Yeah. Which, I was talking to someone at work about this literally just the other day. Yeah, it's absolute. Uh, it's absolute BS. Um, the shaken, the shaken drink. When you look at the breakdown between stirring and shaking, when you're stirring a cocktail, you're only looking to chill down the cocktail, and in doing so, you're only looking to dilute it four to five percent, and now and water weight to actual alcohol. All right. So the idea when you're stirring too is you're only supposed to chill it down. You're only supposed to dilute it four to five percent in water weight, which is I, which is what's going to happen, you know, by by chemistry, by by mixing the ice with the room temperature liquid. But that's the idea is to stir it for no less than eight seconds, so more than twelve seconds. Put it into your chilled glass as quickly as you can and serve it like so. When you shake it, you're introducing 16 to 18% water weight by just shaking and breaking down the ice cubes as they will against the alcohol. Nothing will freeze on that alcohol of that content. So from there, that ice will dilute much faster, giving you a much chilled martini. But the issue with that, too, is if you don't get it on a rocks and you get it served up, is as you would know if you're an alcohol drinker, is that the heavier liquors are going to displace themselves to the bottom while the lighter stuff's going to go to the top. So, if you get a shaken martini, it might seem colder to you. It's not. What's going to happen is that all that water weight is going to form itself at the top. So, that 16% of your cocktail, the 20%, is now water sitting at the top. So, you're drinking that thinking that's a bullshit cocktail. When if you got it stirred the first way, you would have had it the right way. Also, when you're shaking the martini, you're introducing tiny air bubbles into the cocktail. So, it doesn't have a fluid taste to it. It looks like it's dirty. It doesn't have that transition or flow when you're sipping it all the way till it hits the back of your throat like it would when you're stirring it so if you shake a martini you're essentially adding way too much water weight you're displacing the integrity of the cocktail itself and you're making it so that it's more water ridden up top and then boozy at the end Mm -hmm. as opposed to being boozy from basically start to finish as you would have it in a stirred way so what i gather from that story is that james bond has bad taste yeah. Well, again, <laughs> again, all Ian Fleming wanted to do was say "fuck you" to the English monarchy. So he said, "Let's take the most popular character in movie probably ever. I mean, who else? Who else? Who else with a name do you associate with movies? Like, I mean, sure, you might have your Indiana Jones. You might have, I don't know, somebody else. But who has stood the test of time for as long as James Bond has in terms of popular culture? Oh man." I and know, I mean, man, thankfully these days, you know, it's being, he's being exposed for, you know, you know, the, the, the chauvinism, the amount <clears throat> oh, of sexism yeah. that would well, happen, which is I a good thing. I went back 
back when not long after Netflix started and DVDs and Blu-rays were the thing instead of streaming, <laughs> I went back and lined up all the James Bond movies from like the beginning all the way back to Sean Connery. Yeah. Things like that. And I'm watching them. I'm like, he's borderline raping these women. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's amazing. It's pretty like, shocking, actually. Yeah. It's amazing when... Even you watch movies, like, back in the 80s, early 90s, like, uh... <laughs> look, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a, I'm a jokester by heart, and oh, I was watching too, Ace, Ace Ventura, Beth Detective. It's a great one. But even that scene where he's, like, plunging his mouth because he made out with a uh, transgender person. Oh, yeah. It's like... That would not fly these days. Like, there's no way you could put that in a movie. There's no way you could put that in a way that would articulate comedy over offensiveness. And it's for right reason. But it's like one of those things of like, you know, obviously that was a big funny scene in that movie back in the day. But these days it's like, no. It's tough to do. I kind of live by the theory that you can you can make jokes about anything. It's just the more serious the subject, the better your joke better fucking be. Yep. Yeah, very true. If you Very make a bad true. joke about something serious, that's when you're an asshole. That's why. That's why it's fun to see comedians like I know. I know Louis C.K. had a lot of a lot of issues recently, but like even with him like trying to get back out into the market, like he is still putting out risque comedy regardless of what happened. Like all the you know female comedians that came out of, yeah. uh, against him, like you know. He's saying, look, if you still give me a stage, I'm not going to change the style of comedy I did. Like, hopefully he's going to change what he did, you know, afterwards. Just his normal everyday behavior. Yeah, the whole watching of, you know, what he was doing. But in terms of, like, his comedy, like, I hope that, again, I look at comedy like I look at movies. They're theoretical situations. Like, you know, Quentin Tarantino, like, will receive flack from, I'm sure, a different group for every single movie he puts out. But the one thing that we have to do is look at those movies and look at them as movies and not as examples of how to live life. Just they are polarizing artistic things that should be expressed and exaggerated because it's, you know, it's Hollywood. It's not how you should follow and live your life. You shouldn't look at those things and go, okay, cool. Like, no, cause they did that in a movie. That's how I'm going to do it or dress <laughs> in a certain way. It's like, no, like they did that because they have artistic freedom. That doesn't mean that we get the freedom to do what we want because of it. Yeah. Like, so I got a couple more things I want to try to get in before we come close to wrapping it up. Yeah. Uh, you got any fun things or th- places you like to see the speakeasy go or fun things planned? I, um, I ideally would like us to see uh, do something at least once a month with some type of charity, whether it's cookies for kids, something along those lines. Uh, I would gladly, as I'm on salary, like to open up as we are not he- technically open on Mondays or Tuesdays to being open to uh, public fundraisers, charity events. Nice. The older I get, you know, again, short story long, but um, <laughs> the more... When you really learn about alcohol and the real basics of it and not necessarily, like, reading about what's cool and trendy these days, but if you look at alcohol for what it was back in the day, it was old-school medicine. It was alcohol trying to extract out the flavor profiles of every botanical nut herb to basically help you deal with IBS, fever symptoms, circulate your... uh, or increase how your circulatory system works, help you clean out your gallbladder, help well, you deal with fever symptoms. Warm. You know, I'm just saying, like, yeah. The head's a little warm from the fedora, but, yeah, but I'm not uh, taking it off. No, that's, that's dedication, baby. Yeah. That's beautiful. But, 
you know, along real quick before I answer that, you know, as was just mentioned, you know, a lot of these old school liquors were essentially medicine with just alcohol because, you know, water wasn't allowed, uh, wasn't good to drink for a while. And this alcohol would be the great thing to help you again with those belly aches to simulate your appetite, so forth and so on. But I feel like these days, like, I feel like at least with me being here for about five years, like, I feel like the people that are regulars know what I'm about. They know the cocktails I like to make. They know how much of a heart I have for newer people that have come in. Like, you know, I, I love my regulars, but I'm not going to lie. I can see them pissed off when I do this. But if there's somebody new that's come in, I will spend more time on the new person than mm-hmm. I will on my regulars because... You know, again, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but the regulars already know what I'm about. Yeah. And they already know what the speakeasy is about. So I know that they don't mind waiting. But for that newer person that comes in, I want them to feel like, holy crap, what did I walk into? Like, I you thought, I thought, that level of comfort. Yeah, I thought, I thought cocktails were just a thing. You just go out, you drink, you discuss among yourself, and then you leave, you go home and live your life. But I didn't realize, like, you could actually come in here, have your mind transformed, like, be, be completely changed in terms of like who you are and how you drink and that's what i want hey going back to your question you know the one thing i do eventually want from the speakeasy is i want it to be known as a place that you can have fundraisers you can do your charity events like you know as much as i love serving booze like if this can be used in some way to help save a life if it can help to you know provide money towards some research that for me is is a huge thing because awesome. I'm I'm helping people understand how to drink alcohol. I believe in the right way, mm-hmm. but if we can do it and then also help out people's lives to the point that they're going to be affected because of what we did here in a positive manner, that'd be really cool. Awesome. That'd be really cool. Well. After that, let's turn back to some ridiculousness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a listener question on Instagram from a buddy of mine, Lou Infinity and Beyond, as oh, he goes I on Instagram. I like and that. this is a good one. He's really asking the important questions here. Yeah, right. He wants oh to know, boy. what's the coolest hat you've seen in the speakeasy? <laughs> I think the one I'm seeing right now. My fedora. <laughs> that's, that's fucking right. Let's God see. Damn. Let's see. A good hat? Wow. Uh, the was the guy with the monocle wearing a hat? No. Real? Oh. No, 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 no. I'd you call know that what? 95% effort on his part then. No, well, he was more or less like Monopoly Man mixed oh, in right. with Speakeasy oh, guy. Oh, Monopoly Man. I yeah, didn't yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, come on, guy, do you not know? Do you not know who <laughs> you, you look like? You know what you're doing, right? Come on, it's guy. Like, like, I don't like to call people guy, but guy, <laughs> come on, guy. So You, you know what you're doing. <laughs> um... Uh, beaver skin hat. Beaver skin hat. Yeah. All right. A uh, six hundred dollar beaver skin Holy hat. Holy shit, that's an expensive. Beaver apparently, skin. apparently, if you want a good cowboy hat, you got a beaver skin hat. And uh, yeah, six hundred dollars. Really. Treads well through any water or rain, so essentially it's water resistant. All right. Um, obviously the brim of your hat is where how you put it down, and uh. $600, I've never felt something so nice, so beautiful, and I got to bartend with it. I don't know how much minutes. of my wardrobe it would take to make up $600, yeah. honestly. No, that's how I feel. <laughs> Clearance rack all day. This I fedora, buy, this fedora look, wasn't more than $10. I don't look, remember. It, unless it has a tag on it and says 80% off, I don't know if I want to buy it, folks. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> just all saying. right, then. Question asked, question answered. Yeah, sure. I thought it'd be fun... To uh, another buddy at work actually gave me this idea. Throw out some prohibition slang 
and see if you knew what it meant. I like this. All right. Oh, baby. All right, all right, all right. So I did a, li- I did a little look up last night, and uh, one of the terms I came across was blind pig. Or blind pig? Blind pig. Oh, wow. Or blind tiger. They're kind of interchangeable. Ah, wow, a stumper already. All right. Let's see. Um, wow. You know what? I'm going to guess, even though I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm going to assume it's a, uh, I'm gonna assume it's a lookout for a speakeasy. Uh, I'll give you, I'll say that's like 25% correct. Okay, well, hey, I'll take 20. It's right. still failing, but I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> it's an F, but it's a solid F. <laughs> hey, F plus, So, baby. I guess the explanation was, it was a place where illicit alcohol is sold, of course, during Prohibition, but sometimes also called, well, I wrote down blind pig, sometimes also called blind tiger. Okay. There were several stories behind the terms, really, but from the blinds being drawn to showing a blind animal for a fee and then just throwing in a cocktail. Wow. Really, you're coming, to see, you're coming to see a weird animal that and was, get in a free cocktail. That was... <laughs> a blind animal. Savage-esque. Yeah. That is... Like, I haven't heard that one, but all right. Ah, no, I like that. Yeah, there you see, go. you learn a new thing every day. Absolutely. What about corn shredder? Son of a bitch. <laughs> what website did you go to, friend? I have no idea, man. Friend I just Googled... Chris. Uh, just Google prohibition slang. One more That's time. That's the extent of my research. Corn cutter. Corn shredder. Corn shredder. Son of a bitch. I'm gonna go with a bourbon producer. <laughs> a man who dances bad, badly or awkwardly, like myself, if I were to get up. Oh, uh, that's horrible. <laughs> Is that like running backward through the cornfield? I don't oh, know. Oh, that's horrible. I don't, I don't know how that ended up being a term. Ugh. What about flipper? Flipper. If that has anything to do with a flapper, it's got to be a lady that is a vivacious woman. Almost. It's the opposite version of a flapper. Really? So the ma- a male. Ah, okay. Nice. Wow. Look, here, look, folks, real quick, before the questions keep going on, I, I make much better cocktails than I do answer prohibition questions. <laughs> uh, I know quite a few terms, but that's what I like about these things is I'm learning more. I'm two sorry. More. Please, we got two no, more. No, it's important to get that out there. Take the bounce. Leave for the night. To be kicked out of an establishment. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. And whale. Whale? Yeah. Dancing, like you're getting down. Like a heavy drinker. Ah, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> wow, I did... So you gave me 25% on knowing the first question. I think in total I got We were close. I'm going to say 50, 50% on Flipper. Wow. Wow, folks. <laughs> Just, yeah. When when it comes to making your bartender choices, when it comes to drinks going They're here forward, for drinks. just know not to use those terms. <laughs> I mean, I will know them, but the next time we're open, but I there you go. I just fell fell flat, big time, big time flat. That's all right. I think people will be okay with it. I hope. Forgive me, podcast world. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> You're forgiven. So that's going to do it for this episode of Stories from the Bar. Big thank you, Emmanuel Tresky, for hanging out with me and Cheers. letting me into the speakeasy. Yeah, yeah, glad, glad you quite got the, here. Quite the cool little watering hole you have here. Much obliged. I appreciate you hanging out, having some drinks, of course, and sharing the stories. Big thank you to everyone out there for checking out the show. You can find Stories from a Bar on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at StoriesFAB. Also, be sure to check out the Speakeasy on Facebook and Instagram, of course. Emmanuel does the occasional post to keep up on tabs of what they have going on and (laughs) all the cool entertainment they have coming in and out, especially the Swain dancing and live music. 
Uh, anything else you want to throw out there for the speakeasy? No, I think uh, we covered everything, and I just want to thank you uh, for coming in and checking it out. Yeah, and, man, uh, this was my pleasure. I'll definitely have to come back on a swing night. I'm super curious to check that out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so thank you uh, for taking this time, and uh, yeah, uh, please review, friends. Uh, if you do need to call and make a reservation, uh, we do have a thing on Open Table. Also, uh, you yeah, can give us a call here at 518-449-2332. And can they use your website for reservations, speakeasy518.com? So. Yep. Oh, yeah. So check out speakeasy518.com for reservations. And, of course, you can find the show on iTunes, Podbeam, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube. So be sure to subscribe, leave an awesome review, because that's the most important part. And I greatly appreciate it very much. Thank you. And uh, so until next time, cheers. Thanks, Dubois.